What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Getting Mental with your host, Brenda Sarazuniga. I am so stoked to have the incredible Dr. Kojo Sarfo today. Oh my God. I saw him and met him at the Sound App premiere uh, launch party at the Grammy Museum. And when I saw him speak on that panel, I'm like, I got to talk to you because he was so real. He was so awesome, so knowledgeable, so authentic. I can't say that enough. And I was like, we got to connect. And now he is here with us and I am so incredibly honored. And we're going to have a really awesome episode today. So Dr. Kojo Sarko, thank you again for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's, it's great to be back, you know, the new year and you know, back in the swing of things. And I'm, I'm excited and honored that you have me in the podcast. I get I'm so stoked. I love your story, by the way, your story of ADHD and how you were diagnosed. I too was diagnosed at 25 years okay. old. Okay. So it's not What's up? So it's a magic number. It is. It is a magic number. And I know you were too. And I wanted to dive in a little more into your story. So tell us more about you. Yeah. So, uh, you know, um, news covers hard for a while. I lived here in Los Angeles. I'm an uh, online mental health content creator, also a clinical ADHD specialist. Um, I have a background uh, as a DAP doctor of nursing practice. So that's a psychiatric mental health nurse practitioner. And, uh, you know, I was doing uh, forensic psychiatry before I got to L.A. Um, in Virginia, uh, on the East Coast. And I enjoyed that and not start posting on social media. Like most people, I was bored. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. I kept answering questions and finding new and creative ways to post the content. And it eventually turned into a career for me. And um, that's why I'm here in LA looking to explore different media and entertainment opportunities. So I'm excited to be here. And um, as it relates to the ADHD, yes, uh, something that, and I've struggled with my whole life. I'm not proud of you that I had it like for sure in seventh grade. But, uh, you know, obviously like, you know, my parents didn't have insurance at that time. And it's kind of like a silent thing. So like, if like, you know, you're not bleeding out to death, right? Your parents uh, are working like odd jobs and they don't have insurance. You're not gonna go up to your parents and be like, oh, like, check me out for this. Or like, I can't focus on class, you know, they're focused on bigger things. So it's something that we, or at least for me, and I know a lot of people share that same experience. You kind of downplayed it. Um, because you didn't see how it affected your life until like it affected your life in ways that you couldn't kind of hide it. Uh, so, you know, kind of struggled throughout school, um, but I was able to, you know, get into nursing school and then graduated at 20. And then I went, you know, for two more degrees after that. Uh, and then after I finished my doctorate in 2019, I released a book, You Already Won, which is kind of like the beginning of this, you know, public figure online type of thing. Cause that's where I told my story. And uh, in the book, I talked about, you know, being diagnosed with ADHD at 25, but you know, the fact that I knew that I had it throughout my life. And that was like the cathartic thing that I needed to, to put it out there so I could talk about it online. Because once I did that, I wasn't really like ashamed, you know, you took away the shame. And now I just live my life for me, you know, and um, it's too much pressure trying to do this or do that or hire this or have that. I just live my life and, you know, I gravitate towards people who are, you know, on that same, you know, journey and they have that, you know, the bandwidth to understand that it's okay to, you know, not be okay. And it's okay to not have to like pretend to be somebody that you're not. Like it's much easier to just be yourself. Yep. And so you knew you had it. So right. You knew you had ADHD. I did not. I had no idea. My, I mean, 
I remember watching a video of yours where you talked about in your report cards growing up, your teachers would say, he's a very bright student, but he's in his own little world. I was the opposite. Like I was always in everybody else's world. <laughs> I was like super hyperactive in class. And so my report card comments were, she's very bright, but she can't sit still. She can't stop talking. My gosh, she can't stop talking. And she will go and bother her friends when she's finished taking a test. And then she'll just go up to them as if they're not taking a test. So she actively sings in class when I'm in, when I'm teaching, because that's what I used to do. I used right. to, if, if something was boring, if the teacher was like writing on a math problem or something, I've never been good at math. Uh, I would just burst into Disney songs in the middle of class. You know, that's, that's how it manifested for me. But I, I had no idea it was ADHD because like you were saying, you know, our parents, they didn't, you know, they had bigger things to worry about. I also didn't have health insurance growing up. And, and I remember you talking about in your culture, it was also stigmatized to talk about this stuff. I'm Mexican, so it's very stigmatized in my culture too. How, how did you end up getting diagnosed with ADHD? Uh, you know, I was in my, my um, you know, grad school program, you know, so I was, like I said, 25 at this point. I'm not a kid. I'm not 12 or 13 anymore. Like I'm a doctor program. I, I know how things work. I, got, I know how to go make a, an appointment with a primary care provider. So, you know, being an adult, you know, you have that responsibility, you know, to take care of yourself. And I talked to other friends that had uh, some close friends who had ADHD as well. And they pretty much told me how it went, you know, they talked to their primary care providers. Someone, uh, their PCPs went ahead and assessed them and diagnosed them and provided them with medication. And some of them, you know, referred them out to a specialist, right? A psychiatric, that's right, a psychiatrist, most commonly. Uh, and, you know, they would go from there and get the right treatment and medications and this, that, and the third. But it was difficult um, uh, just in the beginning, like figuring out like where to go, who to talk to. And um, I couldn't realize, somebody said that on TikTok, it's not my, it wasn't my quote, so I can't take credit for it, but I wouldn't say it was Nadia Odessa, she's also a psychotherapist in Canada, but she was saying that, you know, being able to get a diagnosis is a privilege, you know, and, and I think it uh, most definitely is because even though I was in my doctoral program, like I was an adult working, you know, making good money. So I was able to like, you know, pay for meds, you know, because sometimes you can get the meds, but you got to pay for them pay for meds, pay for a doctor's appointment, you know, and because I was in school, I had health insurance, you know, and um, even now, you know, if I manage my own mental health, when I check with my own psychiatrist, like I'm paying out of pocket, like I'll pay top dollar to get whatever it is, you know, so I'm paying lots of money to get, you know, mental health services. So when you look at the average person, I think they said the average person in the U.S. makes $50,000 and uh, we know how things can get so expensive in California. Can the average person um, get mental health services in this country? Um, and the answer for the most part is, is no. I know that uh, a report the other day said that in Idaho, it's easier for a male to get access to a gun than a psychiatrist. So when people are going through these issues, especially ADHD, which like you said, can be silent or for you, you're a little hyperactive, but nobody thinks, oh, this is ADHD, right? But if you're, let's say you come from an affluent family, you're going to regular, doctor's appointments, you know, your doctors will pick up on impulsivity and say, okay, all right, we need to, you know, check this person out for this or for that. I mean, even then with ADHD and women, sometimes those times are still missed, but uh, in this country, um, the system is broken. So 
Uh, if you don't have the money, it makes it very hard to get in front of a provider. Uh, and that's why the work of no social media is important because people have had struggle in silence and just kind of, you know, know that there's an issue, but feel like they can't do anything about it. And that's pretty, um, that's a feeling of helplessness. That's not fun at all. Yep. And that's why I love that you do those videos. I love, I love when you cover all ranges of mental health conditions, not just ADHD, but I love when you talk about borderline personality disorder. You know, that is, that is a, an, a mental health condition that's very hard to treat. And the right. signs are not that obvious, but it is very difficult to live with. I studied psychology in school as well. I've been studying mental health for over a decade now. And I remember learning about uh, borderline personality disorder because my field of expertise when I was studying psychology was narcissism. I was very, I was very curious about what makes somebody a narcissist? How is it that they operate? You know, what goes on in their minds? Because I think I'm told opposite. I'm an empath. Like I feel everything. Like I always want to like give it to others and like, I'm just like, wait, how is it that somebody can become that and can and can do that? Because you were mentioning something about forensic nursing as well. Right. Uh, the forensic psychiatry, when I was working on a nurse practitioner in uh, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. I was obsessed with serial killers growing up and forensic files and friend, all that stuff. And I mean, from what I have found is that they had a very difficult relationship with a mother figure. And oftentimes that mother would display a lot of characteristics of somebody who was borderline. Mm-hmm. And so I just thought that was fascinating. And it is a mental health condition that not many talk about. It's so needed what you're doing. And like you were saying, social media is a wonderful way for all of us to continue spreading awareness on mental health because suicide rates have gone up. Right. And there are resources out there. And it is difficult to get resources in the sense of therapy because of our financial situation in this country. Right. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's easier for a man to get a gun than to get a a psychiatrist. Frustrating. And um, I mean, frustrating, right? (laughs) The boring thing about it, it is somewhat depressing. And, you know, like I, I mean, not to get political because I don't really keep up with politics, but I mean, I, I have some empathy, you know, for the politicians who are in office because I know it's hard to get anything passed, whether you're a governor or whether it's at the the federal level, um, you know, but um, I always tell myself, like, if I was governor of California, if I were, you know, if I had any say in, in how things were done, I would incentivize mental health providers and make it easy for people to access these services. For example, today, I just got a notification that they're sending out, like, you can get four free COVID tests shipped to your home or something like that because we're in a pandemic. So uh, there is a silent pandemic going on with uh, mental health. And nobody knows how to talk about it. That's why any content posted about it online is helpful. Whether it's me or somebody else, like the key is to get the information out there. Whether it's relatable, fun, you have to get the information out there so people can understand because people are going through their lives. Um, You know, I get DMs, people say things like, oh, um, I'll talk about ADHD relationships. And somebody will say, oh, I saw this video. Um, finalists too late, or like I, I remember my relationship, I wish I'd seen it earlier, or like, you know, people are making big decisions in their life and they don't know what's going on. And our parents, they were doing the best that they could with the information that they had. So yep. as we educate the public, you know, we can give them the tools that they need to get from point A to point B. So the education piece is 
very important. So that's why I'm grateful for social media. Of course, you have to set a limit to it at some point, but I'm grateful that we have these platforms where we can go online and, and get this information out to people across the globe for free. So that way they know that there's something going on and then they can go out and do their best to get help. And sometimes just getting that uh, um, information um, is very helpful. Just being aware that yeah. I'm doing this because like this is going on. Um, as opposed to you feel like you're lazy and unproductive. You know, yeah. like, oh, I'm anxious or I'm depressed, right? Or I have ADHD, then it all kind of makes sense, right? It all ties it together. Oh my God. Yeah. Because I remember when I was diagnosed with ADHD, everything made sense. I would start a kajillion projects. I would get so excited about the projects every time growing up. And then when it came to execute them and actually keep up with the details and the mundane repetitiveness, my brain was just like, blah, 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 blah. and it would stop. And I'm like, I'm bored. I don't want to do this, you know? And then it's like, well, how do I fix this? <gasps> start a new project. And so I would start a new project. I'd get so excited. My dopamine would be up again. My motivation, my focus, I'd be like, yes. But then I would start feeling anxiety because I left the former project unfinished and I was feeling task, you know, it was task avoidance. Mm-hmm. I was starting to feel that anxiety. And I was like, oh, all right, screw it. No, it's cool. I'll just keep working on this project to have me forget about the other one. But then I was like, you're a failure. You didn't finish the former project. Ah, oh, crap. So then depression would set in. So right. it was a cycle of anxiety, depression. Oh, start a new project. Excited, anxiety, depression, start a new project, excited, anxiety. It was this this loop that was never ending. And I was like, why am I like this? Am I lazy? Why can't I finish projects? My gosh. And it was when I, you know, got diagnosed that they told me, no, it's an executive functioning disorder. You're not lazy in the least. ADHD, we're neurodivergent brains. So we work very well off the reward system. What I was told is that my brain, the neurodivergent brain is lower in dopamine. And so dopamine is responsible for motivation, for focus, for feeling good. And so therefore that's why some people who exhibit the the impulsivity from ADHD or ADD, it's because they're getting that dopamine rush but it's not even like a rush. It's really just like regulating their level of dopamine. So they keep doing that because it's just, it's raising their dopamine to where it needs to be. And as it falls, it's like, I don't want to be down here. I want to be up here. And it becomes a cycle, you know, and not every impulsive action, as you know, may be of a productive one or a good one. Right. It's, it's, I'm happy you said that. And uh, you, you have any siblings? I have one sister. She's 14. Sister, she's 14. Okay. All right. And uh, how old are you? Or, um, I'm, uh, yeah. you're just kidding. <laughs> uh, 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 right. You don't have to share. I, I can make my point without your age. I just realized that. No, I'm 29. 29. Okay. Yeah, 29. So uh, let's say you have a twin, right? Mm-hmm. And this role play, you're a twin, y'all separated. Let's say you got diagnosed that. 17 and she got diagnosed at 21, right? Just mm-hmm. no role play. You are going to do better because you knew before her, right? Mm-hmm. And now let's say that both of you all are living together, right? And let's say you're, you're both 29 and you haven't been diagnosed yet. And let's say that 
you get diagnosed like maybe three months apart. You're still going to do, you get diagnosed first and then she gets diagnosed after that. Yeah. You're going to do so much grabbing her from the moment that you get the diagnosis. And that's why I tell people that, you know, if you think that you might have it, like there's no shame in, or no harm in going to see if you have it. Because the sooner you know, the better you do. And I feel like even before you take the medications, you know, if you take medications and medications are the best thing that we have for ADHD, it is the most treatable psychiatric condition, right? Yep. Um, and the antidepressants and the will stabilizers and the antipsychotics for um, their respective conditions, they don't work as well as the stimulants. So though meds don't work for everybody, they are a big help. But even before you get to the medications, once you know that ADHD is, is what's going on, you're already doing better than the person who doesn't know. Because once you know, then from a self-esteem perspective, you don't judge yourself or you understand it's like Jack law. So you can absolve yourself of the guilt and, and the shame that comes with being unproductive and being that vicious cycle that you just described, right? And yeah. then on top of that, you can go ahead and you can set your environment up where you can succeed, you know? And think of somebody who has like a, uh, somebody who loses a leg, right? You know, you lose your right leg, so you go ahead and get a prosthetic leg and, you know, you can walk. It's not going to be the same as, like, somewhere with two legs, but you can do marathons. You can have your quality of life is going to be better than if you didn't have a leg, right? That's why we have a prosthetic leg. And with ADHD, you have to kind of do the same thing. You have to have, like, a prosthetic environment because it's going to be hard for, for you to shift from one task to the next, like, naturally. So whether you have reminders, right, on your phone or in your kitchen, you know, it could be in your kitchen because you know that you eat breakfast every day at 8.30 in the morning. So when you go there, you open the fridge and yep. then, like your to-do list is right there. That could be the thing that, you know, oh, I, I wake up, I work out a little bit and then when I go to eat, I have my to-do list right there or I have the next task, boom, I got to do this. And then you have to go on your phone. You have to do these things because you're not going to, your brain won't tell you to do it otherwise. And this oh, is all that. Aaron, not. I don't. I know. I, it will not. Yeah. It's it's so, so true. Uh, that's why it's important to, to just know, because even without the meds, if your environment is set up for you to succeed, you know, then you're doing bad than the person who doesn't know, right? And you haven't even taken the meds yet. And the meds are what's going to help to, you know, give you the chemicals needed to improve executive functioning. But even without the meds, you're already doing so much better than your counterparts because you know, so you can set your life up. And I believe you have to set your life up in all areas. Like, you know, yep. if you have ADHD, you're dating somebody who is not giving you like compliments mm-hmm. for little things, that could be a deal breaker, you know? Yeah. I, oh my God, I can dissect everything you just like said and build a whole hour episode <laughs> into each of the amazing things you just said. Because it's true. When you have your to-do list right there, it helps us go, oh yeah, that's right, we gotta do that. Because it's not that we're lazy. It's not that we're absent-minded. It's literally how our brain is wired. We need these constant reminders. And as we get them, we get like that little boost of dopamine, which again, provides that motivation, that focus, that attentiveness. My setting your, your, your entire home, your entire space for success, is brilliant. Everyone's got to set up their space for success and it looks different for everyone. Right. Like I like things that everybody needs to set up. You know, you need, we all need to tailor our lives for our success, you know, so you might, somebody might have something else that they struggle with and they have to adjust the way that they do things. But with ADHD, you know, like you see this with a lot of people where you have to set up 
your environment. There's some things that you're always going to do. Sometimes you'll always be impulsive, you know, so if you can reduce the impulsivity a little bit or maybe put a cap on how much you're spending, talk to somebody before you buy things, it can save you money. But even if you buy something as impulsive, use that thing to your advantage, you know? Like I have a computer here that I'm talking to you on. I know one on the, uh, the second floor. Uh, we have a laptop, right? And I think this computer was probably like an impulsive, impulsive purchase. You know, it was a gaming type computer and it had like a little fancy camera shoot back in me. But now I have a workspace here and then on the second floor of a workspace, if I need to go to the rooftop, I can take my laptop and all of the three computers are hooked up to Google Tasks. So like I can kind of pick up where I left off. Um, and I use Google Documents so I can pick up where I left off on any computer. But sometimes I just have to switch my environment. I just got to take a break. And then I'm, yeah. I'm not, I might leave here at like, you know, 12, 34. I might need to get back upstairs again until seven. Maybe I got sidetracked or something. But I have my laptop with me upstairs. I got somebody downstairs. You know, I got my phone hooked up to Google Tasks, you know, having constant writers going off over and over, you know. So those are things that, like, I I need. Um, and it can be different for different people who have ADHD. But you have to figure out what you need and then go from there. So if you don't know what you need, because um, there's a difference between things that you want and things that you need. So once you know what you need, you can build like your life around that. And um, that's where sometimes the, the depression kicks in because like, you know, you have to be need-based initially before you go for the wants. So you can have the wants, like you can have maybe like, I don't know, like a fancy car, something like that. But if you don't have like need, like the environment set up where you have your reminders and things like that, you're going to be sometimes depressed because you're not doing things on time. So yeah. you get high on things and then, because of that, you're paying late fees because you're not paying bills on time or you're missing out on projects and you're losing money. And that's when a lot of people start to like get it together. And for me, that's also like how I start to you know, that's how I that I need to get together. Like if I'm losing money and the team is losing money on projects because it simply wasn't finished, yeah. then it's cutting into my wallet. Something has to be done. You know, so <laughs> I know when like it's time to like, all right, you know, reel it back in. Heck yeah. And so what would you say is something that somebody can do to help them realize what their needs are? That's a great question. And I feel like you have to try different things. And initially, like, we all know you need to get consistency and we need to eat throughout the day, right? Okay. And those are simple things that sometimes we still don't do, even though we know we have to do that, right? But your other needs, it's important to you know, always ask yourself, like every two weeks, every week, every month, ask yourself, what does self-care look like for me right now? That might change. Like now might be a time that you have some type of project to work on and you can make a lot of money and you have to work extra hours or two jobs. And then maybe by the middle of March, you accomplish that goal for that quarter. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to spend more time with my family. Your needs do change from time to time. So it's important to be able to, you know, recalibrate and understand that your needs change. But some things are going to be things that you're going to always need. So like if you're somebody who you realize that whenever you hang out with a new group of friends and they kind of like slide in some jokes and you don't like it, you're going to have to address that and say, hey, I don't need that. I need people who speak like, like it to me, people who encourage me verbally. Yeah. Sometimes that's the fuel that you need to start something or get motivated to do something because sometimes it's just not there. And that's for anybody, you know, so. Uh, yep, that's across the board. Your needs change over time. 
Um, it's just important to, uh, you know, like, like if you, let's say you're unhappy right now in life, you know, you have to ask yourself, uh, I'm unhappy. Okay. Where do I want to go? What do I want to do? And a lot of times with depression or depressed feelings, there's a big difference between who you see yourself as and where you are. And you can figure out like what's in that gap, you know, then you can see, okay, I want to do this. I'm doing X, Y, and Z, and that's putting me closer here. And I'm doing ABC, and this is taking me away from my goal. And to figure out why am I doing this? You know, why am I doing something that's taking me away from my goal? And then it's gonna get you closer to a need. So like, let's say you're using substance or, or doing drugs, right? Yeah. The reason why, maybe there's something that you're trying to distill. Maybe it's, it's loneliness or something, but it's a need that's not being met, which is why you're using advice. And that advice is like getting you closer to your goals or it's helping you maintain. So like, it's always good to see like, what's the why and, and be a little introspective. And uh, it can be difficult to do that because you have to address certain parts of yourself that, you know, uh, it'd be easier to just ignore it. Yeah. Again, get curious, get curious about yourself, get curious and figure out what is it that works best for you. Come at it from a place of compassion and curiosity instead of shame. You know, I've yeah. mentioned that in a different episode too. I think that's great. It's a good thing that you know what you need because especially with ADHD, like, you know, you get bored easily. So you might really be dipping your hand into a lot of different parts. So now you can do all these different things and you get to know that you're needed by doing a podcast, by doing comedy. I love to watch Asia Pell, you know, yeah. that made me laugh on even like the worst day, but you know? So it could be comedy, it could be volunteering, you know, but you're still getting that inner need met as opposed to, let's say, somebody saying, oh, oh, she's so pretty. She's the most beautiful woman ever, right? Between that and somebody saying, oh, you did so much for me. Like you helped me out at a dark time in my life. Between those two, you might take the latter because that's a need for you, whereas a compliment might be a want. I don't know, you, but that could be a want for you. So it's important to know what is the difference between the need and the want because once those two you know, start to you know, get conflated, you don't know what you really need. That's when sometimes you question your purpose and you're like, what's the point of all this? People even really care. Like, are people really watching? I mean, with social media, it happens like that fast because we're used to getting things so fast. Yeah. But if you go and then, you know, people people aren't sharing your content or people aren't reaching out to you or nobody wants to like interview you or whatever the case is, you might, you know, put your head aside and you say, am I really like doing anything? Like, like what's the point? Like, like, why, why am I even here? Like, like, who is watching for what I do? So it's important to know what makes you feel like the most alive. Uh, and the good thing about I would say the good thing about those of us who are in LA trying different things is that you're trying different things. You're trying all these different things and there's a common denominator in all the things that you enjoy. Yep. And with all those activities, there's something that you're getting that you really need, whether it's a laugh or whether it's somebody saying thank you or whether it's you putting your own affirmation out there. There's something there that you're getting that you need. And like, you don't know what's in need, but you keep doing it. So it's important to sometimes just look and ourselves and, and figure out uh, what that is. And during this extended uh, spring break, which I would just call the pandemic, uh, we've had so much time to, uh, to think um, to ourselves, maybe too much time, maybe too much time. I think it's too much, but we've had a lot of time to just think to ourselves and, and figure out like, what is it that we need and, and what are we after? Um, and if you can, if you're somebody who can 
satisfy all your needs, I'd say that you're a pretty fortunate person. Yeah. And yeah, uh, absolutely. And so now I'm going to turn the question on to you. Mm-hmm. What, what do you need? What fuels your fire? Yeah, I, I need periodic reminders that similar to you that I'm I'm doing the thing that I was meant to do. And I have to like, my thing is to help, right? Like it's to help. The way that you help is different, whether it's through something funny or whether it's through like the little music videos or a skit or something. The the goal is to help and it's through education and entertainment. And, and that's what drew me to the city of LA. I came here two years ago for a TikTok event. You know, I saw all these creators talking about how they do this for a, a living. And I was like, how do people pay you for videos? It didn't make sense to me. Yeah. And as I continued to create, you know, I realized that my, my, my need uh, was to educate and entertain those two things. I have to, and like, it's to help, but how am I helping? Yeah. At a minimum, I need to educate and entertain. And when I was working at forensic psychiatry, I loved it. I had patients who did well. I think about some of those patients. There were some little guys from time to time, like, I wonder where they're at. I wonder if they're taking their meds. I hope they're doing good. <laughs> but I wasn't able to, um, of course, it's a serious job, right? And for instance, uh, the entertainment piece was not there for me. Yeah. Uh, and that was a need. So as I continued to explore and post on TikTok and followers go up, I realized that something was missing. And it was that. It was that entertainment piece. It was. It wasn't. It just wasn't there. And that's not the environment to entertain. And of course, like you, you can joke around here or there where I'll go play basketball with some of the guys in the hospital every now and then just to lighten it up. But um, on social media, there's a relationship in your space for me to educate and entertain. So those are the things that I need. Uh, I mean, I, I love all the extras that come with it. Trust me, like I, I love it. You know, being here in LA, I love oh, all the yeah. extras. But um, those are my needs. I love that. I love that because you were able, and you know what? You were able to go, I love forensic psychiatry. I love this. This is awesome. But there's something else. I need that entertainment. And you went for it. And you did it. And that is super admirable. That's what we're here to do. You know, and I... I say this all the time. Life is very short. We think that it's long, but I mean, it's gone in the blink of an eye. I mean, yeah. I blinked and I'm 29. I'm like, what? My high school graduation was yesterday. What? Same year. <laughs> and, I'm the and I still feel like I'm 14. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we got to go for it. We got to go for it. So it's very admirable that you you're showing others that you don't have to let any mental health condition define you. You don't have to be a victim of circumstance. Right. You can take charge and go, no, I'm going to use it for my benefit. This is, right. I always say ADHD is a superpower, by the way. It, uh, yeah, it, that's definitely a good way of reframing right? it, yeah. For me, when I'm able to hyper-focus, oh my God, the things I get done in that hyper-focus state. Right. I mean, it would take... I don't know, a neurotypical, maybe a week to do it. And I can do it yeah. in hours. And it would feel like five minutes to me, which is right. phenomenal. I, I, we have time blindness, right? Like we don't, we don't have a sense of time. And uh, it's really funny when my boyfriend, oh my gosh, he is like uh, incredible. He handles all the logistics. He's very, he's my ashwagandha. He's my stabilizer. I'm his sugar-free Red Bull. I like that. <laughs> You know, I'm just sure. Like, I'm like, let's go! Like, naturally. And he's like, 
Absolutely. Let's go. But he like, it's, it's so great. And so the reason why I brought him up is because every time that we need to go to the airport, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I didn't remember this was here. He's like, babe, we have to go. What? He's like, let's go. I'm like, why? We have like 10 minutes. No, that was 10 minutes ago. Like we have to right. go. I'm like, oh, oh, okay. My bad. And then, uh, and he's like, no, it's fine. But he's so funny and calm about it because he understands and he has no problem going, babe, babe let's go. We, we got to go. Come on, come on. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. And, uh, <laughs> and so time blindness is hilarious. But again, those concert reminders help. Um, that would focus me. I, I like the fact that like you, you've known about this for like four or five years, right? Have been like So when you enter into a relationship, like you know to tell somebody. I I, I always recommend people, I mean, you don't tell you have to tell people like you know, you have ADHD like from, from the jump, but at some point been with somebody for a while, you know, it's good that it's good for them to know and that person and have more empathy for you if you're late because Maybe sometimes they don't, they almost even expect it. Like they'll probably give you like a little 15, 30 minute grace period window. Um, you know, whereas somebody else might start calling, you know, the cops do a wellness check. Where are they? But they're going to know she doesn't make, you know, and yeah. that might help you out because sometimes if you didn't know, you know, the other person might think that you're respectful. You don't, right. you don't respect their time. Uh, you blow things off. Um, and then actually come back and hurt yourself with seeing and then you're self-conscious of that as you go into other interactions with people and, and business and you're like, oh, I, I just can't get the places on time. And of course, it's something you should work on, but that's why it's so important to have that environment where people know. Yeah. And then the things that you're good at, like you said, if you can hyper-focus doing something, maybe spend your whole Wednesday doing something that would take somebody else a month, that can help him out. Maybe he's not good at that, right? But you got the random urge on the random Wednesday to, uh, the <laughs> to do something and you turn it out for good. It's important to, like you're working together as a team. Those are the things that people didn't know in the past that hurt them. And now that they know, they can improve their relationships. And like, it's all kind of coming full circle to me because I didn't realize how like a seven second video would like help people. Like I go through the DMs and people are like, thank you so much. And I'm like, this is like, a, I'm just doing like, you know, like it, it, it doesn't make sense, but then when I realized, I'm like, okay, wow, maybe, maybe they sent that video to somebody, you know, whether it's a business partner or a romantic partner or a parent, you know, or their child, and that video maybe helps uh, that person in their life understand them that much more, and it probably improved the quality of their life. So that's why the knowledge is so important. Once you have it, you know what to do with it. Once you have the knowledge, you're able to set yourself up for success. Once you have the knowledge, you're able to set your space for success and, and be reminded of the fact that there's nothing wrong with you. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with you. And that's the core thing. We can all accomplish anything that we set our mind to. Every mm -hmm. single thing. We just got to remember that we are here to be of service. You're here being of service, not only being a doctor, but being an entertainer and educator, you're doing light work on this planet. You really are. And absolutely. I mean that from the bottom of my heart and I can tell that you enjoy it, that you are passionate about it. And that's why 
when I look at your videos, I can see your authenticity. I can see the realness. I can connect with you. You break the fourth wall because you thoroughly enjoy it. And you're, and you're here to be of service and you like being of service. Like you can, you can tell. And so that just keep doing what you're doing because you really are helping so many people as you're doing your, your TikTok videos. They're not meaningless. You know, they're not falling on, on deaf ears as they're in the background. Like they, they're, they're very, they're helping so many people and you're helping the movement you know, the, the mental health movement go forward. So thank you for everything that you do. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. And likewise with the podcast, you know, I feel like we all have a role and we're all doing great work. So um, thank you for those kind words. And also thank you for the work that you do. Thank you. Oh, I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're so good. Thank you. I, oh, cause I've had my moments too, where I'm like, where Wait, wait, am I even doing it? You know, is this even making a difference? Like, what's going on? Um, I get frustrated from time to time. <laughs> exactly, especially when when sometimes I want to work on something and my brain's like, "Nah, we're gonna do this other thing." It's like, what? Because you talked about right now the random urge on on a Wednesday, and before we go, I want to ask you, like, how do you manage to stay disciplined and do things? even when you don't have that spark, that urge to do something. It goes back to that routine, you know, forcing myself to get a routine. I created this version of Kojo, which puts out the Kojo to sleep. You know, gotta be in bed at nine o'clock so that by 10 o'clock at the latest, we fall asleep. And then I'm trying that and that's too late. It takes me more than an hour to fall asleep, you know, between racing thoughts and between want to look at my phone and I have assistance in different time zones. So sometimes I'm like, oh no, uh, I need you to do this. So my brain is going off. Like the same way my brain is firing now at 12.57, it could very well be doing the same thing at 12.57 a.m. You know, so like, I know that, all right, around like 7.30, I need to be like, you know, relax. Say I don't work out, you know, late anymore. It's always in the morning now. So. You know, I wake up in the morning, I got to work out. I got to take the dogs for a walk. Is this a routine? That's just what I do now. That's who I am. So you can't escape it. Like whether you're motivated or not, because sometimes I'm not motivated. Most times I'm not, but you got to go to the gym. Once I get started, I'm good. But the desire to start is almost always going to be hard. But once it's something that you just do, like when you work, a standard job, you have to be there right three o'clock every day. You just get there, right? Yeah. Because you have to do it. So getting back to that routine where seven o'clock, I'm starting to think about bedtime so that by nine, you know, 930 at the latest, you know, my brain can't race for two and a half hours if I'm not stimulated. <laughs> so by 930 at the latest, I'll, you know, I'll sleep. So by 4.30, I'm back up. And then when I wake up at 4.30 a.m. and I have a good 30 minutes to just roam around, you know, meditate, do devotion, play with the dog, watch funny videos, and nobody's texting me, you know, the, when I do that, that reinforces me to go to bed early that day. So the next day I have to wake back up at 4.30 because it's so peaceful. You yeah. get to the gym, all the machines are open. I can do whatever I want. It's hard to wait in line, right? So- Oh God, I can't wait in line. I will find everything else that I can do, but wait in line. I cannot, I I will pay, act, I don't know what it is, but yeah. I see lines and I'm like, nope, not doing it. I, I, I'll pay to get what maybe three times as much just to kind of like go out. Cause staying in line, by the time I get back home, 
whatever I was doing, like I can't resume that task. So I'm just kind of done for the day. Like I'm just sitting there looking at this guy, like we're done. Um, you know, so <laughs> like I, I know myself, I know I work off of momentum. Uh, you know, so grouping things together, but having that routine is ultimately the thing that is going to get you to where you need to be because it's hard to do anything without consistency. As a content creator, if I wasn't posting consistently, people would, you know, not watch because why watch it, follow and subscribe, and then, you know, he goes, goes from August to January. You know, it's a consistency thing. So I always, you know, I haven't always been that good with the routine, but now, you know, I'm really getting serious about it. Like, I got to get to bed this time. I have to do this. Um, yeah. You know, letting family members and friends know, hey, yeah, like, I'm not going to take up this phone at 11. Um, yeah. Because when you're up late for so many years, people know they can reach you at that time. So I'm like, unless it's like my mom or some kind of emergency thing, like I'm sleeping. So I have to wake up and they stay early and they yeah. get going. Uh, and also not giving myself too much time to do things, you know, like letting that eat the external accountability. Like if I have all day to do something, I won't do it. If I have 12, yeah. I'll do it. So you have to like give like fake deadline is something that I do. Yes. I change it the, the, the time around, like my car, my car is 15 minutes ahead. Um, you know, like little tricks to get me somewhere um, on time. And I still might get to like, maybe like a minute late. <laughs> I get still kind of blend in the people like, okay, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, yeah. It takes the, that prosthetic environment in a sense where you adjusted your surroundings. Um, and, you know, that's how we can blend in it and feel like you're like you don't have any Yep. So you set your your structure. It's a structure. We right. need structure. That's what we need. I hate routine. So that's why I'm like, <clears throat> but I'm starting to reframe that as, no, it's structure. And like you were saying, without consistency, it is hard to get anything done and to really see the, the fruits of your labor in the long run, right? So, and, and, yeah. And, uh, last thing I want to mention, just taking the weekends off too. And I'm flirting with taking Fridays off too and just compressing everything in a 40 work week. Uh, and then just giving myself three days to just kind of float around, not make content, just live in La La Land, watch football, you know, go to the park, just talk to people, um, you know, because when your brain is like thinking all the time and there's no rest, some people sleep, but they don't rest. You know, I was yeah. like, so like that could be helpful for somebody who watches on your podcast. Having your, your space be set up for success. And one of the things that is a setup for success is also decompressing. It's also resting. That also sets you up for success because it's true. We can't just like keep going, go, 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 because then that's when burnout happens. Mm -hmm. And burnout, but before we go, I want to tell everybody where they can find you. It's Dr. Kojo Sarple across all over social media. And you have something awesome new coming up too, right? Facebook Lives. Yes, uh, we've been doing the Facebook Lives for maybe two or three weeks now. And we've been doing it like once a week, but uh, I'm actually enjoying it. I feel like I could do it every day. That's not feasible, but we're yeah. going to do it um, Monday through Thursday. Start off with that. Maybe it'll become a little different thing, but... Monday through Thursday, you myself, the weekends and just like relax. But Monday through Thursday, uh, I'm looking at 6 p.m. California time. It's the time that uh, I'm going to be doing it. I'm not sure yet. We're still working it out. But uh, yeah, going live on Facebook and then we blast it to Twitch and YouTube and uh, Twitter as well. I'll talk for maybe 15, 20 minutes, a little monologue and maybe interact with the comments. And then after that, 
we'll shift into a Q and A. I'll just look at what people are talking about and you know, I'll answer those questions. So. Heck yeah. All right. So Facebook live Monday through Thursday, you talk about a mental health topic around 15, 20 minutes, interact with the comments. It's another awesome way to get in touch with you. Another awesome way to see all of your content and to see what you, what you've got to say and how to keep helping the world. Thank you for that. Seriously. I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you. Hell yeah. So everybody Go check out Dr. Kojo Sarfo. You're going to see all his info underneath him. Thank you so, so, so much for being here. And thank you, Dr. Kojo Sarfo, for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for your time. All right, everybody. I'm checking out. Talk to you later. Bye.